Hi everybody, welcome into the Irish NFL show presented by Trust Gaming. Happy Sunday. This week we are live or recorded live from the Woolshed Bar and Grill in central Dublin. Back in the Woolshed. Boys, we're back. We're back. Where's Mark? You're probably all thinking right now. He's not here. But we're delighted to be joined with Colin, Brian and Tag Leader. Tag, how's it form? How are we yeah. getting on? All as well. Cheers for uh, having me on. It's good to just go back to Ireland a week or so ago, so it's nice to having done my quarantine and all those kind of bits and bits and pieces. Nice to get out here and uh, finally meet you lads in person after all the help you've given me since uh, day one when I started kicking footballs. Oh, we're hoping like it was great to see you over in the spring league as well. But Colm, it was it was great to see somebody from Ireland just sort of make it a bit in America, wasn't it as well? Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose take that for for us like to to see somebody like kicking in Lucas Oil Stadium, like where home to the Colts. What was what was that experience like for you? <laughs> I literally just got goosebumps there thinking about the first the first uh, the day before the first game, walking out there in Lucas Oil. Um, like I was just. The whole, just the structure, the size of the stadium. I've never played in an indoor stadium, let alone whatever, whatever that has, 60,000, 70,000. Um, it was mad just kind of getting out on the pitch, walking around the field, uh, walking around, and you just kind of see, you know, like the way in the distance, you know, where the, where the different camera guys and stuff would be. You know, it's thinking like, wow, like that looks like it's miles away. Just the, mm. just the sheer scale of everything um, was, yeah, I, I'd, never, I'd never been in an arena like that before, so... To uh, most of the lads, my teammates and stuff, when I was telling them this is my debut, first ever game, you know, they couldn't, but they were just like, you do, do, do you realize how ridiculous that sounds, like getting to play here in this in this arena where most guys, you know, play PB football or whatever when they're five or six. So, um, yeah, playing in that arena was um, mad. Class experience, but, um, yeah, just, it was, at the time, it was just a bit like, wow, what the hell am I doing here? And, and the, in terms then of, like, even, I suppose, we, I'd find the, the language, like, the, you know, pitch, field, kit, uniform, all that stuff, did that come up at all during your, your time in the, the Spring League where you were, uh, you were using terminology that was different from your teammates? Yeah, that was, well, the biggest one was I'd be like, lads, what, time, uh, what time's training? And then, you know, they'd be like, training, it's like practice. So that was the biggest one, training and practice. Um, I, I never got there. To be fair, a lot of the lads ended up going with it, you know, because a lot of the Americans, I guess, I was such a novelty, so different. Um, so then they ended up using different slang that I would use and different um, phrases. And by the end, most of the lads were all saying, cheers, cheers, cheers. Um, so all, that was another one they all liked. And um, But yeah, that was the ones you listed there in training was one that I, that uh, just, yeah, different things you wouldn't think of when you're, when you're mid-conversation or even... Um, I had one instance in a game where the coach wanted me to do uh, like a squib kick, which I I, underst I understood it, but he he used I don't know what he used, but he used a different phraseology to to what he wanted me to do. So I went out and like did a squib kick, and then the, he kind of came over to me and was like, "What the hell was that?" And I was like, <laughs> "Is that not a, is that not a squib kick?" And then the coach just kind of looked at me and he's like, "That's not what I wanted." And I actually I don't even know what he wanted now to this day. It worked out, thankfully, because their lad kind of fumbled and it worked out. But just little things like that. And I was on the sideline then being like, did I mess up there? And the guys were like, no, that was good. Don't worry about it. But different like different vocab they would use that we'd say differently and or we just wouldn't even talk because it's not in or it's not a thing we do. So I definitely ran into a few little roadblocks with that. But usually the, the lads are like the, something foreign, something different. Tyg, I'm just conscious that there might be viewers watching the show that didn't have the opportunity to watch the first time you were on the show a few months back. Do you want to give a bit of a background as to how you found yourself to come into the Spring League and that initial kind of phase of going from rugby into American football? Yeah. Um, 
say rug rugby being my background, kicking was always my biggest asset in, in rugby. Um, so, you know, went through the Irish system, um, then went to the pro ranks, played there, played around, played around the European stuff, and then moved over to the States, played professionally in the States. And when I, when I got there, everyone was always, um, you should kick footballs, you should kick footballs, to which, you know, I was like, I was playing rugby, doing, doing well, and I just got started with playing for the U.S. national team. So that was huge, that was huge for me to play, like, international rugby. So, foot, as much, you know, it was just a phrase, things people, things people would say to me, never put much thought into it. And then when COVID struck, um, I was doing some coaching a rugby team in Massachusetts, and we were doing some, like, goal setting, and I was chatting to one of the guys about what he wanted to achieve for the upcoming season, how I could help him. And he just mentioned he was a high school football coach, to which I was like, oh, actually, do you mind if I just try and give the, give the footballs a bit of a, a whack, just go on and kick a few, um, just for fun. This was late August of last year. Um, did that and hit a few pretty, pretty good, enough that he was, he was, like, he coached high school, so he was like, that's very good. And then there was people walking around the track, and then they stopped um, to start watching me kick. And then... It, I was back, I was like 55, 57 yards. I kind of worked myself back to, so nothing like outrageous, but it's still a pretty big kick. And then, um, so, and then, yeah, just, just from, from that experience kicking, I absolutely loved it. My groin was shattered after because I was out there for two or three hours. Because in rugby, rugby, I love kicking. Yeah. I didn't necessarily love having to run into big lads. I didn't necessarily want to have to tackle the big lads, but I love kicking. So um, that, that was late August of last year. And then, just kind of... It's a win-win situation then. Really. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. All going well. I shouldn't get touched, so that's great. Um, I just got to give it a swing a leg at it. Um, so it is a win-win. But, that, yeah, that was last year. And then from there, just met a kicking coach in Connecticut um, to see was I actually good or was I just, you know, decent compared to it, what a high school football coach knew. Um, and then from there, did, I literally did three or four kicks with him. And then he just kind of stopped and goes, "You need to go to see you need you need to go see John, which is John Carney out in San Diego, NFL, 24 years or so in the, in the league. Trained with him and went well. He's like, yeah, I think you could do it. So then that was December, November, December, and made the decision to jump into football full time. And the hard thing about football is if you don't, as I'm finding out, if you don't play in college, there's no real route to go. There's no there's no set route. There's no mm -hmm. pathway. It's not like rugby." You know, if you're not playing professionally, you can play for the local club and work your way up. That doesn't exist in football. Um, so when the Spring League came along, that was that was perfect because well, it's hard to get into because you know there's eight teams and only 32 guys in the league with jobs. So to to get one of those eight slots was very hard. Thankfully, I got one, and then um, yeah, that experience was class. But so it's that's kind of how I got into it over the last 10, 11 months, and hopefully a, a good good road ahead. Yeah, before we talk about your next steps now, which we'll talk about in a second, I mean, like you brought up a very good point there. If we're very fortunate in Ireland to see the growth of rugby and how good we are, it's probably the one thing we're all good at in terms of sport in the, in the country. But I actually think like, there's there's teams obviously across America. There's a team that plays rugby in SoFi Stadium, but I don't know what their name is. But yeah, LA Catinis. Yeah, like the first ever fans in that new stadium were was for that rugby game as well. But you know, you went into the spring league. And we sort of briefly talked about it previously, but really thinking about it now, you were playing during COVID-19. I know the US has largely moved on now, you got crowds and stuff, but you were playing in Lucas Oil Stadium in a, at a time where there was empty crowds. And at a time now, we're in the NFL, where we're talking about vaccinating players, vaccinating staff. What was that like playing under those restrictions? Was it very 
you know, secure or was it very strict behind the scenes as well or what was it like? Um, I think at least this was whatever, this was April, March, April time. So at that point, uh, it was very much encouraged that if you can get vaccinated, get vaccinated. Mm. So that's what I'd say. Well, I'd say well over 50% chose to go that route. And if you didn't, you then had to get tested three times a week. Um, and, but you know, April time, rules were getting a little bit more lax over there, you know, around, you know, I've been home here a week and just having to wear a mask all the time again is, you know, it feels like I'm gone back a year. Um, so it was, it, there was rules in place, but they probably weren't as strict as, they weren't overly strict, but I think the, the, the idea was to get everyone vaccinated as, as soon as possible. Um, but yeah, for me, I guess the main thing was, you know, on the bus to train and every day, on the bus to practice every day. I want to try and get that in my vocabulary, practice. <laughs> but on the bus to practice, you'd stick the mask on. And then in the, the tea meals, you know, we're all in the same hotel, you'd wear a mask. But beyond that, um, it was kind of do, do as you please as long as you're vaccinated and or getting tested. And so you've played like in front of crowds. What, what was it like playing without crowds like do you uh, as notice that because you're on the sidelines so much in football as, mm -hmm. as opposed to rugby like was it very different for you yeah well it's, um my big thing about when you have crowds it brings a lot of white noise so i find you know if i'm taking a kick in rugby for example you hear you no know, you can hear a lot of white noise in the back and people may probably thought it could be abusing you or whatever but like you don't really fully recognize it you just hear it. it's kind of white noise noise and you stay within your, your process but for football, and I guess I've never played in front of fans in football, so I've only known COVID times, but what I noticed pretty quickly is, wow, you can hear everyone. And, like, you know, the lads that are nine yards away screaming abuse at you, hey, 41, whatever, and, like, saying some not nice things. Um, so, you know, the first kick, for the, you know, when I got out of the pitch and getting lined up, it was like, wow, I can hear everyone so clearly. So that was, I couldn't, and once, once you get, like, five seconds pre-kick, then you kind of just, you lose it, but um, you lose that hearing, but... That was probably one of the weirdest things. I was, you could just hear everything, which was also pretty cool when I was on the sideline because then I got to you know, hear what's happening in the game itself. And uh, the amount of, we'd say, shy talk, the amount of smack, <laughs> they might say, it was ridiculous. Like, just nonstop lads just chirping, just getting at each other all the time. It was, some of it was ruthless. And um, so that was hilarious as well. Just when I'd just be sitting on the sideline drinking my water and just hearing the boys just, like, just back and forth, the guys on the sideline and the guys on the pitch who were Getting it, you know, they they retaliate, they shoot back pretty quick. So that was, uh, I imagine, in non-COVID times, might have been harder to hear all that. So that was a, that was a pretty funny thing to see. Ty, when you speak to people who don't really watch American football, they they look at the kicker and a punter as God, that's a very handy position. But I think you touched on it in the past. It's only when you actually get into the game you recognise how particular that position there really is. And you've happened to play now punter and kicker during during your time, so you've shown a bit of versatility in terms of what you can bring to the table. Is there one in particular you prefer over the other? And just talk to us about how unique it is to play in those positions. Um, I'd say kicking is probably my preference just because it's a lot more similar to, to rugby, at least the, the, the striking component, um, the kicking it off the deck. Um, so that's probably, but I really enjoyed punting. Just in rugby nowadays, you don't see people spiral the ball as much. You don't see that end over end kick, whereas in football, they really want to see that, that uh, clean spiral. So more kind of used to the, the kicking aspect. But... From actually doing the job, like, I had no clue. I know like how how quick everything happens, how precise everything is, and if it's someone is it you know what I mean? Point five of a second off, or sorry, way less, like point one of a second off, mm. 
um, you're getting blocked or the guy's rushing up the middle. So for field goals, you have like from the snap, from the snapper to me getting the kick off, you have like 1.2 to 1.3 seconds. And if you take longer than that, you're getting blocked off the edge or uh, maybe up the middle. Um, and then punting, same thing now. We're like 14 yards back and you have like kind of 1.2 seconds to get it done. So I had no appreciation leading into it just... Because it's one thing kicking, you know, like I said, when I first started kicking, I was just kicking off, you know, my shorts and T-shirt. Nope, nope, no, you know, didn't have to deal with the rush, didn't have to deal with the snap and hold. But when all those things were joined together, it was like, wow, I can, I can see why guys miss sometimes because it's, it's so, it's happened so fast and so specific. So that was, um, yeah, I, I think watching in TV, you see someone miss and you think, ah, like, how did you miss that? But like, when you're actually standing there and you realize that if one thing's off, the odds of success drastically drastically go down we um we spoke to graham gano giants kicker who's in the league 10 15 years and he he could have vouched for that type of stuff you know one second off the field goal is going left or getting blocked and how precise it was not just the kicker itself but the offensive line to the yeah. snap, to the holder to yeah. the kicker and actually just one point on that one good thing about punting which i realized was in punting you are a little bit less reliant on others because um, I remember I missed a field goal and I absolutely smacked the laces of the ball. You know, obviously in a deal where the laces are out, you don't kick the laces. Um, but you know, you're always very much relying on other people as well to kind of set you up for you to, to for you to finish it off. Whereas at least in punting, you know, you you're, you you are your own holder and then you obviously perform the kick. So that it was a little bit more individual, which I kind of liked because um, you know, watching the game, if the kick goes wide, you're not going to necessarily you know if the kicker miss. That's 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 it. Um, but you know. You, if your ball's supposed, to, which I've learned, you know, if the ball's supposed to be leaned a few inches to the right, and all of a sudden it's a lean few inches forward to the left, you know, the ball has been totally, you know, if you want it here, all of a sudden it's there. Like that's, it's a big difference. Um, so punting, I, I'm st starting to grow me because you know it's it's more it's, it's more so on you. Um, which if it goes well, great. But if it does not, great. But um, that was that was something that I didn't appreciate until I got into games. Um, how different the roles are as well. Absolutely, and we believe, Tag, that you may or may not have some new... Well, I mean, look, this news is already out now because it's coming out on Sunday, but you've made a decision on where you're going to go next, and it is quite exciting news. Yeah. Um, since the Spring League ended, you know, I had potential opportunities to go play in the Canadian League, um, but up there, they have, like, a three-year kind of time commitment, which is a lot, um, mm -hmm. and then, you know, you want to... Obviously, the NFL is the, the goal, so, yeah, I was kind of sitting back and had my footage from the spring league and sent that out and hoping that that might get some interest um, from NFL teams, especially, as you said, as kicker and punter, which is beneficial. Um, so I was just going to kind of sit and wait and hope the phone eventually rings. But fortunately, I've got a really good opportunity now. Um, a few days ago, the European League of Football, um, I, think it's, I think they're trying to make like the NFL of old. Or so. so there's like eight teams, Poland, Spain and Germany. And uh, I just signed with uh, Wrocław Panthers. They're based in Poland. So, mm. um, so far, it's been extremely professional. Like, in just in terms of the dialogue between me and the team, watch their watch watch their games. Um, nice stadium, good crowds, good. You know, it it, it looks the real deal. Uh, before signing with them, I talked to a guy, Giorgio Tavecchio. He kicked for the Raiders and I think the Falcons. He's been around the league a little bit, and he just signed with the Barcelona team maybe a week or two ago. So I called him and said, "Hey, how you know how did you find the league?" And he just said, if you, can have, if you have the opportunity to go play, go play. Because the alternative is what everyone else is, you're just sitting down waiting for a call. Yeah. If you can accumulate footage, let alone a guy that's only played six games in his entire career. So um, I'm absolutely thrilled to go. And um, yeah, when this comes out, I should be there and hopefully getting ready 
first game is um, on Sunday against Cologne. So that'll be pretty cool again to go to see cool cities around Germany and Spain as well. So yeah, kicking, punting, keep the, the journey continues. And we can watch you on, it's called the European League of Football Game Pass. It's literally called Game Pass. So you can, if you're in Ireland or the UK, check it out. It is quite cheap. So uh, definitely, and best luck out there as well. It's going to be great. Sound, yeah. Um, and I suppose one of the things for, I mean, it's great to again see an Irish player kind of going and doing this. But one of the things that a lot of players from we've seen from the UK, FA Obada, who's now with the Bills, yeah. and Aidan Durde, who's now a coach with the Cowboys, I think that might change even hopefully the international player pathway. Is is that something kind of that like you could see growing for Irish players that maybe or or even yourself that that opportunity to to go to be on to train do training camp to be on a practice squad is that something that you could see in the future become a, a, a bigger factor for people in Ireland because at the moment we have some you know some kids who go over to college but if you don't get that opportunity at say 17 as you said it, it's very difficult after that at the moment yeah extreme, extremely difficult um I, if I didn't have, if I didn't have like professional rugby career of a background, I probably and I had the exact same ability I have. I'd be pretty confident I wouldn't have got the opportunities in the spring league and things like that. Def definitely helped me out a lot. So you're right. Like unless you can get into that college scene early, it, it yeah, it'd be very difficult. But um, the pathway stuff, the pathway stuff is brilliant. I mean, um, exemptions made on roster practice roster, uh, practice squad to get an extra uh, foreign player in certain amount of teams. Um, so that's huge because I think, you know, most lads when they you get in, you get obviously your time to do, to be in the program. When you get into that environment, I think, you know, you're you're naturally you're going to be a sponge first of all, and I think naturally a lot of guys are going to rise to the occasion and, and actually do quite well. So, I think personally, I'd love to be involved in this. They don't carry kickers at the moment, um, which is a bit of a shame because, as I said, yeah, for the reasons I just listed, I think it, it's an amazing opportunity. Yeah. So. Fingers crossed they, they might be interested in kickers in sooner rather than later. Um, but from an Irish player's perspective, Irish guys moving forward. I'd, yeah, I think it's, um, I had no knowledge of football really or like American football and getting to, to what, it, what it was all about. I guess not really exposed to it here too much. Just playing Madden and the odd Sunday I'd see the game on Sky Sports. But um, I think now there's a few lads, few lads in the college game, right? And um, hopefully it becomes more... At least awareness grows. If lads want to give it a go, they can at least you know like have people they can maybe reach out to and ask questions, which is something I unfortunately didn't have. So you're you're trying to you're trying to find that roadmap on your own. So fingers crossed, yeah, more lads see it and they think, yeah, I'd love to have a crack off that and get involved and kind of grow the sport here as well. Ty, you've been home for a few, a few weeks now. I suppose you're in the states for quite a while. I suppose, it, I suppose you've, it's been nice to be home. And just watch you're over there, where you still keep an interest on sports this side the board. Like you're, as you said, you're. We're still a keen rugby fan, and the Lions tour is going on, and the iconic final today and stuff. So, we, how how weird was it being over there trying to keep an eye on everything that's going on back home? It was funny because just in the drive up, I noticed um, all the I, so I didn't realize I know the hurlers played yesterday Galway, um, I didn't realize the football was on today. So in seeing the cars, I was wondering a lot of, a lot of Galway Reg and Mayo Reg and other players on the motorway this morning. And I'm sure you, I don't know if you got a chance to see them this morning, but there's loads of them knocking around. Um, but yeah, it's like I try and. I try and keep as as involved with kind of watching watching that stuff as, as I can. Time difference is going to be a bit of an issue at times, but um, thankfully, yeah, being home now at a reasonable hour to watch the Lions game yesterday wasn't the most entertaining game, but I think that was expected to physical teams going against it. But yeah, like um, it's it's 
it, it's funny. I was living in Boston for a while, and the amount of people, like passion there, they in, around that city, they had for like kind of G, all the GEA and stuff was it was cl- it was class to see, and um, so it's really popular. It's really popular in def- Boston's obviously it's like a home away from home, but um, yeah, it's cool to see the amount of interest in the in the GEA across across the pond. I happened to be in New York on the morning of an All Ireland. I was actually going to a Giants game in MetLife, and. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't Dublin for a change, <laughs> but it was actually uh, carrying carrying Mayo, so you know the yeah, inevitable yeah. result there. But yeah. but uh, to see all the bars at like ten o'clock in the morning in New York right. full was yeah. uh, really enjoyable. I think Boston is like Dublin on steroids. I'll never, I'll never forget going to Boston for the first time. But uh, Tag, like we'd like to wish you all the very best in, in Poland. I think you know it's going to be cool to see you do the next step and. I am fortunate to produce Jeff Reinbold's show, and he had Patrick Izumi on, who's the I guess the commissioner. commissioner of the league, yeah. And to hear what he said about that league, I'm, I'm honestly, I would like to think there'll be either a British or an Irish team there very soon with that expansion opportunity. So I think, you know, not just us because Mark's not here, but Mark as well. We'd, we'd, we'd like to wish you the very best. And uh, hopefully we can have a trip up to Poland or Cologne over the next few weeks. So. A, re- a rerun of Euro 2012, yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Well, I can remember that trip. <laughs> <laughs> well, tag, thanks a million for coming on, and we appreciate your time. Thank you very much, man. Cheers, lads. Thanks very much, and cheers to the point of Guinness as well. Okay, folks, and that was Tag Leader in Dublin. We're not in Dublin anymore, unfortunately. We're on the internet, but we thought of having a different section this week because if there's, you know, there's been so much going on this week, lads, and you know, Colin, Brian, welcome in. But there's a few topics that we want to touch on. The first one being Aaron Rodgers, who made his return to training camp this week after the summer of Rogers. It looks like the summer of Rogers might take place now next summer or the summer after as a deal has been restructured and the old gang is back together in Randall Cobb. Before we hear the lads' opinions, here is what Aaron Rodgers had to say after the first day of training camp. Uh, a number of uh, players that I felt like were core players to our foundation, our locker room, high character guys. I'm talking about Charles Woodson, Jordy Nelson, Julius Peppers, Clay Matthews, Randall Cobb, James Jones, um, John Kuhn, Brett Good, TJ Lang, Brian Balaga, Casey Hayward, Micah Hyde, guys who were you know, exceptional players for us, but great locker room guys, high character guys, many of them who weren't offered a contract at all or were extremely lowballed or were, you know, maybe in my opinion, not uh, given the respect on the way out that guys of their status and stature and high character deserved. And that's what Aaron Rodgers had to say. Interesting, Colm. Uh, is it just me, Colm? Or did, like, nobody's talked about this. Maybe I've missed this, but it looks as if Aaron Rodgers was literally reading that off a sheet the whole time. He was like sitting like this, like, it's almost as if he had a speech written, ready to go. And Colm, probably one of the, the most memorable, memorable moments in training camp in history, I would say. Um, well, maybe he had the, the sheet of notes like uh, Rafa Benitez's facts from a few years ago, similar um, sort of uh, press conference vibe to it. Look, this was this was the way it was always going to end. Um, Rogers wasn't going to get out uh, as he wanted. I'm reminded of that, um, that Chris Rock line about, um, you know, the difference between being rich and being wealthy. He said Shaq is rich. The guy who signs Shaq's checks is wealthy. Aaron Rodgers is rich. Aaron Rodgers can, has a lot of say in what he does. 
the Green Bay Packers, they own his rights. They got the, the final decision. I think it's going to be very interesting to, to watch it play out um, over the, the season and see what they, they choose to do. Um, you know, is, are they going to allow, um, you know, him if he has another MVP caliber season to, to walk away after that? We, we, we could see changes potentially in that, in that front office. We've already seen conciliatory moves. But as I, as I had said, to me, this always seemed very uh, Cristiano Ronaldo-esque. So it is possible that Aaron Rodgers gets his move um, next offseason. They get something for him or they may choose to hang on and let him walk for free the, the year after when he'll be 40. Um, I still think you'd undoubtedly get NFL teams that, that would take him. But look, this is exactly you know, what you want. You want to be in a situation when you're going into training camp that you know who your starting uh, QB is. It's a situation that not every team is in, and we'll, we'll get to that. But for Green Bay, they're, they're set up now. Um, they've restructured the, the contract. They've brought in somebody for Rodgers who we wanted. And by the sounds of things from what I'm hearing this evening, they still have about $12 million to play with. So we may see one or two more come in there as well. I mean, Brian, they're getting all the guys back together. But the one thing, Brian, that Tommy Rooney mentioned the last big show in Dublin was... They're calling it the last dance between Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. I mean, for me, you can't really compare Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams to Scottie Pippen and, and, and Michael Jordan because I think at that point, Brian, they had won three championships in a row. So, I mean, w- w- I guess we could come back to that, but obviously a restructured deal for Rodgers. What's your thoughts on that? And guys like uh, Randall Cobb coming in as well. Yeah, I think the Packers, it's, it's unusual because what have they conceded in all of this? Everybody felt that they'd have to concede a lot for Rodgers to come back. I was taken back by the openings of his interview, albeit, yeah, he's, we're all very much aware of what his issues are with the general workings and how, they, how the team is run. But for him to be so open in his very first interview, I, I was a bit taken back with that. What have they conceded? They voided the 2023 contract, but at that stage, even if Rodgers wanted to remain with the team, they would have to be making a decision in terms of the long-term plan for for Julian Love as quarterback, because you're going into his fourth year as a, as a rookie quarterback without him playing. So I think they've kind of got what they wanted. Next year, they can still move him if they, if they feel the need. Are, they, are we guaranteed they will move him next year? Because there was a report last week that he was assured after the championship game that he would be traded this offseason. And when it got to the draft and he wasn't traded, that's when he decided to make the move in terms of uh, letting stories creep out in the media with Adam Schefter and so on to basically try and move that, move that thing on because he wasn't given the deal uh, they didn't fulfill their end of the bargain. So what's to say in 12 months' time if they were to win the Super Bowl and he's playing at an MVP level that they'll turn around and say, yeah, we'll move you. They might say, and what's to say 12 months' time he'll want to move? We just don't know. And then 12 months on, which teams are going to need a quarterback? You know, the dynamic of the league changes every year. So who do we know? You know, I know you are keen to get him in, in Denver. What's to say your quarterback doesn't have an unbelievable season and things have moved on? You never know. I thought it was quite funny that Randall, <clears throat> excuse me, Randall Cobb turns around and says, I got out of prison, you know, and it's great to be back in Green Bay. And Aaron Rodgers has been trying to get out of Green Bay. So, you know, one person sees things very different to the other. But um, I'm, I'm surprised Randall Cobb is back. He's very much back because Rodgers wants him. And I think they're trying to make him feel like he's getting a Brady scenario where Brady was, Brady was able to ask for Gronk and Antonio Brown to be signed. And he really wanted Randall Cobb. But they drafted a slot receiver in the third round, um, uh, Mary Rodgers, who looks like he's quite an effective player from Clemson. So, you know, will Cobb get much playing action? I think it's more to have him there as a comfort for Rodgers than anything else. 
it's a bit like Colin when you're just trying to make somebody happy. Maybe when you've moved to a different country, I'll bring him over as well for the crack. I, I don't know. Colin, there's, there's a good tweet that I've seen from Greg Rosenall from around the NFL. And he stated, I did not expect Randall Cobb to make the Texans roster. Getting the Packers to pay most of the salary was $5.25 million in fine money. Now, that's one discussion which Brian's talked on there. But uh, something that Brian talked upon there, Colin, was you know going into looking at next season. Because this already in media brings this discussion the next season is there a suitor do you think for Rogers if he was to leave next year because I could have sworn as well I seen Schefter tweeted that he may not have that option either so I mean I've seen guys talk about the Raiders is, is there anybody offered in the Raiders or the Broncos or somebody else that sticks out to you oh look so much changes Brian mentioned like a year is a, a long time in football a week is a long time in football as uh, you know we're going to talk about Carson Wentz and what's gone on you know, you can think that you're sorted and all of a sudden you're, if, you're, if your QB picks up a major injury, uh, what happens uh, then? So uh, I, I think almost every team um, would, you know, have a look. Obviously not your, your Chiefs or your Chargers, but a, a, a significant number of teams, depending on what the cost is, but will be year on. We're not going to be talking three firsts for Aaron Rodgers next year. That's just the, the reality of the, the situation. It'll be very different. Um, I have no doubt if, if it does happen, um, you know, there, there'll be plenty of suitors. But as Brian has said, if they were to win the Super Bowl, he could, he could stay. They could end up moving on Jordan Love rather than Aaron Rodgers. So I think, um, you know, what, what can seem um, an absolute certainty this year um, is, is not the case. It's not, it's not quite um, as set in stone. Let, let's see. Um, but all of the, the power play that we saw at the beginning of the, you know, the offseason uh, with everyone making noises and wanting to move, well, everyone is uh, reported to camp this week. Well, Brian, just before we touch on the Packers, sorry for jumping in, the, the Packers have got the Saints, the Lions, the 49ers, the Steelers, the Bengals, and the new, uh, I guess, the new coming out of the Messiah, maybe in Justin Fields in week six. Have your thoughts for the Packers this season increased or decreased after Rogers' actions this week in training camp? Increased significantly. Um, I mean, we touched on it last week on the on the live show in the Woolshed. You know, two years in a row, NFC Championship game. They're not far away. You know, you look back at that game against the Bucks. Predominantly, I know people kind of go on in particular about the, the last drive and the play calling by the head coach and Rogers necessarily not picking the right decision. But the defense on that day against the Bucks was very poor. They gave away a lot of touchdowns that you know they really should have. The secondary was quite poor, which has been really good all season. So now I think they're very much in, in the shake-up to go to the Super Bowl. One thing I'll say about the, the Packers, um, for all the stick the GM and the owners have got, they held their own on this. This has guarded on for four months, and they just kept themselves, didn't put anything out in the media. First time they addressed the supporters and the shareholders last Monday at the, at the shareholder meeting, and they seemed very confident that he would come back. And at that stage, I think the decision... Was inevitable that he would come back. So fair to them, you know, they didn't buckle, they didn't panic and take the trade. They held, they held their own in that instance. Nothing better than holding your own. Because on to our next topic, Carson Wentz, the former Eagles quarterback, Super Bowl winning quarterback, shall we say as well, uh, leaves the NFC East, goes to the Indianapolis Colts this offseason. But <laughs> wow, I mean, but I don't know how long he's going to be out for, and this might have come out by the time the show's been out, but he's going to at least miss the rest of the preseason with a foot injury. Colin, 
I seen Pat McAfee's uh, tweet when he heard the news. Like, no, I mean, I actually genuinely feel for Colts fans because this new era of going, you know, going from Philip Rivers to Carson Wentz, it might not work out after all. Yeah, it's been a bit of a nightmare start to the training camp for the, the Coles. Frank Reich tested positive for COVID. Um, they lost their uh, Pro Bowl center to a hyperextension of the elbow. I think Darius Leonard is out because he picked up an ankle injury. Um, and, and then, like, at the beginning, you had the fact that once there was all the thing about was he vaccinated, he does the press conference wearing a mask, which indicated that he wasn't, that suddenly the media is talking about that, and all of a sudden, apparently, he hears something pop in his foot on Thursday. At this stage, we don't know how bad that is. Um, I'm sure people in uh, Philadelphia are also wondering what that might mean for them in terms of what they're going to get in, in compensation. So it'll be interesting to see how long he's out for. We know that the Colts have a history of um, downplaying injuries only for them to, you know, uh, be much more serious than what's initially made out. Will that be the case here? We will have to, to wait and see. But it might mean that they could end up having to, to trade for, for somebody. Could um, Nick Foles end up, uh, you know, Wentz and Foles again? Could Gardner Menchu? Could the loser of the, the Broncos, uh, you know, QB competition uh, end up in, uh, in the Colts? All, all things are possible, but certainly for, for the Colts who, you know, two weeks ago looked like they were, you know, really in, in contention, it hasn't been the easiest to start. A lot is going to come down to what the, the diagnosis and the prognosis is for Carson Wentz. Brian, what Colm said there about the Colts, they downplayed Peyton Manning's neck injury in 2011. He obviously missed the season. They downplayed Luck's injury in 2017. Shoulder injury, he missed the season. And then they downplayed his injury in 2019. And he retired. So uh, not a great history there. Uh, I feel for Colts fans, but surely, Brian, if you're a Texans fan, or sorry, a Titans fan, you must be, you must be buzzing. Well, it's such a, I suppose, competitive division, and the tight, it, like we all feel, it's going to be the Titans against the Colts predominantly, who's going to win the division. So to see him potentially uh, with no quarterback really in position to take over, week one against Seattle, difficult game. I, I, I took time out to actually look at our, our show when we actually went live the evening of the trade, and the recurring team across the forwards when Mark was here was, it looks like a good trade, but there's always the risk because he's been so he's had so many injuries throughout a few years in, in Philadelphia. But this one in particular actually looks like it's a new injury because he's never really had a foot injury before. So this looks like something completely isolated to what he's had in the past, you know, with the, blowing out the knee during the year in which they won the Super Bowl and he's had recording injuries thereafter. Um, the Foles one for me looks a really good show. I know people kind of, it looks, it looks on paper like it makes sense because Frank Roy is there. But from his point of view, he's going to be tour choice in Chicago. Like Justin Fields inevitably is going to play at some stage. Dalton is starting, he'll end up being the backup. So where does that leave Foles? He's got an opportunity to go to Indy, potentially start, and even if, if Wentz comes back in, what's to say he's going to play the whole season? And that that particular part of the contract around which which pick to give away now is very important. You know, the 75% rule that he has to play. They were very clever in putting that in, they're covering themselves, you know, in terms of not giving away that first round pick. I do think it's more serious than the letting on. I actually think, yeah, I think he's going to miss substantial time. There was a piece last night, NFL Network, saying he could be back for week one. It's highly unlikely. They're going to get a re-evaluation next week. A re-evaluation to me, it sounds like 
they haven't heard the news they want to hear and they're going off somewhere else to get a check. So for me, I think he's going to be out for a considerable amount of time. Obviously, we wish Carson a speedy recovery. It's, it's, not, it's not a great situation for him, so hopefully Godspeed and all that there. Right, let's see what happens. He's obviously going to miss the preseason as well. Preseason starts on in four days. Can you believe, gentlemen, it seems like five minutes ago since we were sitting after the Super Bowl thinking, what are we going to do for seven months? But the preseason starts on four days. We're back with a special at 10 o'clock on Thursday night with special guests. Uh, the Cowboys are playing the Steelers in the Hall of Fame game early Friday morning, so... If you need a Polisecki, there's your warning in advance. Uh, lads, just finally, before we go here, Deshaun Watson. Uh, you know, I talked about the Messiah for the Bears and, and Justin Fields, but uh, Colin, Deshaun Watson uh, is making a, a resurrection in Houston. Gets a practice in this week. And I call him, I feel for Tyron Taylor. Man. This is just, we're getting to the point now where, you know, is he going to have an easy go at it again? Or, you know, what's going to happen with Watson? Um, well, the, the, this is a this is an awful situation, right? Because you've got a guy who has um, twenty two um, allegations of sexual assault. That's the first thing, um, and you know that 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 in itself, I, I, I'm I'm surprised in ways that the league hasn't taken action. Um, so that that then, but the fact that they didn't, he then reported to camp. The Texans then have him play scout safety. Um, the the what go, the Texans are a, a mess. Um, you know uh, they are an absolute mess, and Dave Colley just seems out of his depth. Um, unfortunately, uh, it, it it just seems to be. I mean, you heard what Cobb said, like it was escaping from prison. Ah, uh, that tells you. I mean, it's unbelievable that you can have these billion-dollar franchises, multi-billion-dollar franchises. What What was it during the? They, they They say that the next franchise could go up six, eight, ten billion with the with gambling now legalized, and the, the Texans have basically opted out. They have basically said they're going to just going to throw this season away, which is awful for their fans. You've got serious, passionate fans there in in Texas and and around the United States and around the globe. Um, and it's it's almost a joke the way in which they they run it, the the lies that they're they're telling, they're treating people like toddlers with what they were saying. They're they're ramping up. He wasn't ready to take. I mean, Sean Watson. I mean, like there's the there's the 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 fact you could make the argument that he probably shouldn't be there. The league should have taken some action. But if you just take it on the physical side of it, like he's one of the top athletes, top quarterbacks in the league. And you're saying he's not ready to take snaps. That was ridiculous. It didn't make any sense. The Texans are a train wreck. Whether they win a single game this coming season remains to be seen for me. I think that's a really good point. Will they win a game? I might get on with that and maybe have a little go on that. But talking about putting money in something, I mean, Brian, this whole training camp, we started off with Palacero, Rappaport, talking about the Texans were open to trading them. It did go quiet for a long time in regards to that, and it was almost pushed under the rug a little bit. But, you know, where is he going to be week one, Brian? Tell, tell us with your in, infinite wisdom. He'll be on the NFL's uh, commissioner's exemptness, and I feel like he should have done that. A lot sooner because he's been put. Was the Texans are in a bad place in terms of how they're being run? They've also the league hasn't helped him out by putting them in a position where he has to report because he's going to get fined every day if he doesn't. They, it's a it's a unwelcome distraction because they're trying to move on to a certain extent. Of course, they're looking to trade him now, but like who in the right mind is going to trade? You know what? I know like there's GMs out there with you know substantial amount of picks next year who can afford to give away three first rounders. 
Why would anybody give up three, four founders now? They don't know the situation. They don't know if he's going to be on the exempt list. They don't know if he's going to be banned properly. They don't know if the, if the case are going to go legal, or sorry, go to the courts as a, as a cr criminal case. There's too many unknowns for any GM in their right minds to give up so many picks. You're gambling with the future on a player that you could pick and then he'd be suspended straight away, or he even might end up being suspended next year because by the time the cases come around, too big a risk for me. So I don't see him don't see him playing. I think it's an unwelcome distraction for the Texans. I do think they'll win games this year because I feel that they actually, well, it's not a great team. They've brought in some players that will be keen to make a point to previous teams, such as your Philip Lindsay's and players like that, who are really good players in the league and can hold their own. And in terms of the quarterback situation, I think it'd be Tyrod Taylor and then they'll move to Davis Mills, third round pick um, at some stage and hopefully he's the future for the team. So I, I can see them in two, three games max. But um, the Watson thing, the saga that they don't need and it's just going to just going to continue and continue until he's put on the exempt list. Time will tell. Like there's never a dull moment in this league, is there? A new segment, which I haven't even told these other guys about yet, but we're going to do it now. 30 seconds each, AOB, any other business. My AOB this week, gentlemen, is this. The vaccine COVID situation. Uh, obviously the NFL come out with guidelines and state that, you know, games can be cancelled if there are COVID-19 cases with, with unvaccinated players, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't see how that's going to happen without there being legal issues because last year, we, well, my team, played without a quarterback instead of the game being moved when, when other teams had games moved. But for me, it's disappointing to hear, and I actually felt sorry for Coach Rivera this week talking about his uh, immune deficiency and, and obviously with, with the players. And there needs to be some sort of mutual understanding there. And it's, it's interesting to see some teams that have a very low uptake in the vaccine rates and... I would love to maybe see the vaccine rate for the guys going to London, if they are at the minute, at the stands, but I guess we'll see what happens there. But, uh, you know, even today, Kirk Cousins is a high-risk contact from Callum Mond, who's tested positive. I think it's something you're going to see going forward and going forward, and it's something that we obviously have to live with, but it'll be interesting. Colin, AOB, anything you want to talk about? Well, I think on that, Michael, like, I think because what we're seeing now, they, you, you, I think players will probably end up having to be vaccinated because we heard Ryan Tannehill talk during the week that because of the protocols, he felt he had to do it because it would have been so difficult not to. And I think the fact that you're seeing this in training camp will mean that play, extra play, pressure will, will be applied to say, look, this is happening now in training camp. We can deal with it here, but what happens? We don't want to be in a situation where, like the Broncos were, where you're forced to play a game without a, a QB or without a secondary or without whatever it happens to be. Um, that is certainly one to, to keep an eye on. I thought Tannehill's uh, comments were, were pretty telling. And I think now the fact that um, you know teams are back in camp once the preseason game pick up, once we go to, to traveling, um, it will be, I, I think the, the vaccine rates will, uh, will really begin to, to push up at that point. I can't guess Brian's AOB, but I'm sure Colin that Brian is delighted to have the Super Bowl 50 champion join his Giants this evening in Todd Davis. That isn't your AOB, is it? No, it's not. Although I did see he signed them. I, I read that he had a very strong finish to his Viking season last year. And they're actually mm. thinking that he could provide a little bit more than just coming in to help the numbers during the training camp. And that actually brings me to my AOB. It's training camp. I mean, we say we're close to the season, but we're still significantly a bit away from the re-election. And the amount of supporters of every team, whether it's on social, whether it's just general chit-chat with people, who get so caught up in the whole training camp 
Player didn't do well today in training camp. Quarterback threw three interceptions. It's training camp. They're not even wearing pads yet, you know, in training camp. You know, catching in short, so he looks great. He looks like he could have a good season. People just need to chill out. There's too many people going around giving out about players' performances in training camp and people signing for different teams. You know, who, a lot of teams are picking up players now because they need to have players in camp to make it competitive. No, no more than that. But uh, we'll see preseason games are around the corner. Yeah, on, on camp. Enjoy it. If, you, if it's your thing, enjoy it. But there is there are articles online saying, should we, from this time 12 months ago, saying, should we be concerned that Tom Brady threw three interceptions in his first two days at Bucks camp? Remind me, how did that one work out? Well, I, for one, am delighted that we have the preseason starting on Thursday, Thursday well, Friday morning, our time. I want to say it's 20 past one in the morning. I'm not sure. It might be 1 a.m. our time or around that there. It's a Pro Football Hall of Fame game. We are back for a special episode at 10 o'clock on Thursday. We can't say who's coming on yet until it's recorded, but you don't want to miss it. It's really good. So we'll see you on Thursday night at 10 o'clock. Thanks to the Wall Shed. Thanks to Matthew as well for videoing it in the Wall Shed as well. And thanks to Trust who bring all this lovely equipment into the whole situation. So we'll see you next week. Give us a follow at IRENFL. And we're almost there, like six weeks to go. We're on the six Sundays to go. Uh, and we'll see you again on Thursday night. Cheers.